This is a GRDC podcast. A number of popular herbicides and insecticides have recently become the subject of a review after the federal government announced the evaluation of the Australian Pesticides and Veterinary Medicines Authority, or APVMA, in July 2023. Hi, I'm Shannon Beatty. As a result of the review, maximum residue limits have been in the spotlight and chatter has been gaining amongst growers and consultants about what it could mean for the industry. At the GRDC Greens Research Updates at Minyip in Victoria, Jared McMullen from the National Working Party on Grain Protection told the audience that applying chemicals according to the label rate did not necessarily mean grain would meet external market requirements. I sat down with Jared to chat about maximum residue limits and other chemical-related topics currently doing the rounds. Maximum residue limit, and I think we'll call it an MRL from now on because it's much easier to say. So an MRL is the maximum amount of a chemical residue that is permitted to be on a food that may have been treated with that particular chemical. So that's set by the regulator here in Australia, the APVMA. So it ensures that any food that we eat, or in fact stock feed eat, is safe to consume. Different countries have different MRLs. Whose job is it to keep track of that and how much attention do growers need to pay to it? In summary, I think it's all of industry that needs to adhere to importing country requirements and that's including the Australian domestic market as well. But in reality, that's my role. So I'm responsible for, under my contract, to monitor importing country regulations in terms of chemicals, and that includes their changing MRLs. And so I'm the one that's responsible for monitoring all of those changes in all of the export markets that we have, and then providing that advice to not only growers, but all of industry that's involved in terms of supplying that grain or, in fact, from a grower's perspective, producing that grain. So when we're looking at the importing country different MRLs, we all need to be aware of the impact of using chemicals here in Australia and the market access issues that may arise of the use of those chemicals. How do these MRLs impact Australia's grain exports and does it affect states differently? In reality, no, because... When we're exporting grain, we have to comply with those importing country requirements, whether it's from Western Australia or whether it's from the East Coast. And we shouldn't just focus, Shannon, on the export market because the largest market for grain, in fact, is the Australian domestic market. So when we're supplying grain to the domestic market, which obviously the East Coast is a large one, we still need to comply with the Australian domestic MRLs as well. So when we're supplying grain to whatever market, it has a significant impact on the Australian industry. So we all need to be aware of the impact of that when we are not only just applying chemicals, but also when we're providing that grain to those markets. Applying chemicals according to the label rate doesn't actually necessarily mean that those grains are going to meet external market requirements. And I guess there has been a bit of a sentiment from some growers that it's not entirely fair that their ability to use chemicals registered in Australia or for use in Australia, is limited by the rules of other countries. So how do we draw that line between crop production and profitability and keeping access to those important export markets? In reality, it's all about food safety. So when a regulator in whichever country sets the label directions for the use of a chemical 
and also when they set the MRL on that particular commodity, it's all about ensuring that whoever consumes that product, whether it be for human consumption or for stock feed, that the product that we're eating, in this case grain, is safe for use. And that's whether it's one meal or whether you have that meal for the rest of your life, those regulators need to make sure that it is safe. So each country has its own sets of regulations and they're responsible for making sure that their consumers' food safety concerns are being addressed. So that's why each country has its own regulations because that's what a government regulator has to do. We have already started to see this in action with products such as haloxifop, which is a herbicide that's traditionally been a key part of Australian canola growers' chemical rotation. Can you talk us through what's happened in Europe with MRLs for that chemical and what you're now recommending to growers? We try and provide as many tools as possible for growers to use. Obviously, a grower doesn't want to use a chemical if they don't need to use a chemical. But where there is an issue with a weed or a fungicide, etc., well, then they will make that choice to use that particular chemical based on their own economic situation plus a whole range of agronomic issues as well. In the case of canola, haloxifop has been a valuable tool in certain areas of Australia, not necessarily everywhere. But in the EU, that member states, they have banned the use of haloxifop. And what that generally means is that at some stage down the track, they will lower the MRL or, in fact, delete the MRL. So in the case of haloxifop, for several years we've known that they are reviewing the use of haloxifop because they had not permitted haloxifop to be used on rapeseed or canola in the EU. And so we've made submissions to say that you can't lower the MRL to such a level that it makes it uneconomic to use that particular chemical here in Australia because our Australian growers need it. So please don't lower the MRL in the EU to a level that makes it really difficult for us However, we lost that argument and we were advised late last year that they were going to lower the MRL to basically 0.005 ppm, which is significantly low. We then got the industry together and said, based on that very low level, all of the risk management tools that the industry uses to mitigate and lower the residue levels on the exported product to the EU, we can't implement those and meet the new requirement for the MRL in the EU. So we put out a fact sheet to industry, basically to growers, requesting that they don't use haloxifop because the post-farm gate sector can't manage the risk of residues arising if growers do use that. How was that met by growers? What was the response from growers to that? In general, it was very good because I think most growers are responsible and growers do have a very good record of compliance with label directions. In this particular case, while haloxifop is registered for use, there is a market access issue and growers did recognise that if they want to maintain market access to the EU, that they need to comply. So in general, most of the feedback that we got was very positive and they recognised that, yes, it may cause some difficulties in some areas, but the market requirements must be met. A recent report from the APVMA has led to the urgent review of eight on-farm chemicals, including the likes of paraquat and diaquat. What are the ramifications that particular review could have for growers? 
it could have some fairly significant implications for growers if they are relying on that chemistry in their particular area and there's no alternatives to use. For example, in the case of the Loxifop, in some areas there is a range of alternative chemistry that growers can use and I think that helps to ease the burden on the growers. For the review that's being done by the APVMA, some of those chemicals are key chemicals being used by growers on particular commodities, not on all commodities and certainly not on all occasions. It will potentially have a significant impact depending on the outcome of the review and we don't know the outcome of the review at this stage. We'll have to wait on the decision from the APVMA on that one. Do we have a timeline in place for when we might find out the results of that review? No, we don't, but most people would say there has been a bit of media from the Minister of late that they are going to speed up the review for some of those chemicals. So we would expect that a couple of those chemicals, the review dates will be announced fairly shortly and we'll obviously be keeping a very close eye on that to make sure that we're aware of what the regulator has proposed and we'll then liaise with the industry on the impact of that and make a decision based on that outcome. All right, moving on to an entirely different chemical. There have been some reports lately of some off-label usage of carbendazim to control snails. What are the issues with off-label usage? I guess the main one is that in most states, off-label usage is not legal. So therefore, we need to make sure that as responsible users of chemicals and also as an industry overall, that we are complying with any regulatory requirements. So we've always encouraged growers and anyone in the post-farm gate sector, or in fact anyone using chemicals, that they do comply with regulations. And it's not just, I guess, from a food safety issue. So if uh, someone's not using a chemical according to the label directions, well, then there may be a food safety issue. But it's all about the reputation as well. So Australia has a fantastic reputation, not just from the APVMA in terms of being a very well-recognised regulator across the world, but also the users of chemicals here, and mainly growers, have got a great record in terms of compliance with those legal requirements following those label directions. So we do not want to, I guess, upset the apple cart in any way, risk that reputation because that will place our reputation but also our exports in jeopardy and with the competition around the world, if we can't supply the grain for whatever reason, then an importer can go to someone else and very difficult to get that market access back. Expanding the use of carbendazim for the purpose of snail control has not been supported by GRDC. It's not been supported by the APBMA due to some toxicology, human health and environmental risks. Can you talk us through that decision and reasoning? When the APVMA is looking to register a chemical, they take into account all of those factors that you just talked about, toxicology, efficacy, but they also importantly talk about the risk to trade. So in this particular case, a product is only registered for use on snail control or for whatever control based on meeting all of those criteria. So for carbendism, it doesn't meet that criteria and therefore it hasn't been registered on that basis. It's a very simple explanation that makes a lot of sense. Carbendism registrations have also been removed from a few key markets, including the European Union and North America. With that in mind, why is it important for growers to really strictly adhere to registered crop situations? So products are registered based on, I guess, a range of impacts. 
and the main one being the particular growing conditions in the country of registration. So it's a little bit different here than in North America or the EU. So we need to take that into account when a registration occurs and also when the MRL is set. Just because a product is registered overseas or not registered overseas and registered here, we can't take that into account. So what it means is that the assessment that is done here for that registration is based on the Australian conditions. The MRL is then set and then we know that it works and also that it's going to be safe. In North America and the EU, they've determined that those conditions for the use of that particular product will not be met. So therefore, it's fait accompli that we can't use a product that's not registered in those particular countries or if the MRL is going to be exceeded through the use of that product here in Australia. Makes sense. I suppose it can be a bit confusing where you're trying to think that a product can be safe in one country but not in another. But obviously our growing conditions, our climatic conditions, the soil, there's so many differences between, you know, Australia and and North America or the EU. So it makes sense that there might actually be some products that are safe in some areas and just not in others. Overall, what is your advice to growers when it comes to managing their chemical usage and MRLs? I think the simple one, Shannon, is to make sure that they comply with label directions. So that is all of the directions that are on the label. In fact, it's basically saying that only use a chemical where there is a registered use on that particular commodity or on that particular grain. Comply with all of those label directions in terms of the rates that you're using. Comply with things like withholding period. And then make sure that if there is any other do not statements on there, that you comply with those as well. And if growers comply with that, well, then we're going to be fairly well assured that the product that we're going to receive from growers is not only safe for use, but is also complying with Australian MRL. And if it complies with the Australian MRL, and we know to a large degree that the grower has done the right thing in terms of the use of that chemical, it makes it a little bit easier for that post-farm gate sector to say, right, well, what's the risk of residues arising on this grain in terms of can we meet a particular importing country requirement where the MRL may be slightly different? So if we know that the growers are going to comply with the registered use of that chemical, it makes it a little bit easier to be able to manage the risk of residues going into a particular country where the MRL is slightly different. And what industry does is that they use a range of tools to manage that process. So we ask growers, if you are using a chemical, where you are required to fill out a commodity vendor declaration declaring that you've used that chemical, please fill it out correctly. That way we can then select stock based on that declaration, we can sample and test, and then we can blend grain to make sure that we select appropriate stock to meet an importing country requirement. But if the grower has done the wrong thing, whether deliberately or uh, by accident, um, then that job is a little bit harder. So I guess the final thing I'd say, Shannon, is if a grower has used a chemical, for instance, the aloxifop issue on canola, if a grower has used it for whatever reason, then please talk to your agronomist, talk to your storage agent and your marketer, declare that you've used it, and then we may be able to implement some appropriate strategies to manage that grain. Your knowledge on this topic is honestly invaluable. So thank you so much for sitting down and sharing all your pearls of wisdom with us today. Not a problem at all. That was 
Jared McMullen speaking about maximum residue limits. More information on this topic can be found in the description box of this podcast or online at gidc.com.au. I'm Shannon Beattie and this has been a GIDC podcast. Thanks for listening.